This is former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas and current host of Aftermath Television here in Canada, and you're listening to the Atomic Podcast, where Efren blows up the news on a verbal scale. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he is a former WWE referee, and he is the co-host of Aftermath TV, and he is the author of The Three Count. Ladies and gentlemen, one, two, three, Jimmy Corderas. What's going on, Jimmy? Uh, not much. Hey, I'm, I'm digging the intro, man. I can't, I, I'm going to have to record that and, and carry it with me like, like theme music. <laughs> Making your way down the ring, the you'll be like the manager of Foot Locker now, you know. Yeah, exactly. I'll have to have a, have a, a, D, uh, a CD made to carry with me now whenever I wherever I appear. <laughs> so, how's everything going, man? You know, everybody talks about life after WWE or life after their like first profession. Um, how's everything going for you now, man? Uh, it's going great. I mean, like originally, uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, after leaving WWE, you, you kind of get into this uh, this little mode where you don't want to do anything for a little while, and and, and that includes as much as I love. Uh, uh, professional wrestling even that you know you just want to like distance yourself from kind of everything you want to decompress and and really get used to things because um you know spending so many years on the road your 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 mind your body you're programmed in a certain way you know you travel these days uh, you're used to you know going through airports it's almost you're on automatic you don't even think about things when you go to the counter and you go through security and you're boarding a plane and then you're going to the rental car counter and you're picking up a car and you're driving to a town you know what i mean it's yeah. all it's kind of, it's kind of like um, a, a walking robot i mean you're aware of what's going on but it, it's just automatic and then all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore, so it's 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 adjusting to home life. And what well, what I've discovered now, being at home every night, is man, I do not miss the travel. I miss I miss the camaraderie with my friends and and guys who I considered my road family. Mm-hmm. And and I enjoyed the performance aspect of it and the work aspect, but the travel I could do without. If you, it, it would be cool if they would somehow invent the Star Trek transporter where everybody could just transport to a city, uh, perform, and then go home. Oh man, <laughs> you know it's funny now because there's a lot of you know independent wrestlers and and wrestlers in general that travel all the time now, and it's common. It's it, it's as common as um, brushing your teeth and chewing bubble gum. Um, what was your favorite stop? Like you know when you're traveling, you know from different states. Did you have like a particular state that you were was more fond of than others? Um, I I, I liked a lot of states. I mean, like I, I liked I liked the San Diego area of California. Oh okay. Uh, I just I just thought, I just thought it was pretty down there. I liked it much better than L.A. And not and not not knocking people that live in L.A. It's just that way too busy for me. I mean, and, and that's me coming from the biggest city in in Canada, Toronto, uh, a city of like four million people. Um, you know, going to LA was completely different. It's such a different world out there. You're kind of like lost and everything. And I just, I don't know. It's just a lifestyle that wouldn't appeal to me. And then by the same token, you'd go to places like, uh, uh, like Phoenix, Arizona. And I dig places like that. And then you go up, uh, 
You mean, you know what? I've been blessed to to be able to see so much of the United States and see uh, a lot of the good in the United States. I mean, there's areas like you know, just sketchy areas of Trenton, New Jersey, and stuff like that. But <laughs> for the most part, I, I I enjoyed traveling throughout the state. I mean, I got to go to Alaska, Hawaii. I, I I've hit pretty much fifty states. So you know, it's it, it was a cool gig, and and, and if. But if I had to narrow it down to one, I couldn't do it because there's there's like little pockets everywhere that I like so much. Uh, we talked a little bit off the record, but um, what's your take on New York? New York, again, uh, um, cool town. It's it's a great place if you want to. Uh, like for me, to I I really dig the the nightlife aspect. Where if you want to take in a show, if you want to go to a club, if you you know food, yeah. that kind of that kind of atmosphere. It's got everything you need twenty four seven. And that's cool, but at the same time, again, too busy for me. Yeah. You know, like like uh, my old riding partner, Toyo Chimmel, when we'd go to the... I'd do most of the driving wherever we go because that's just me. I, I, I'm a very bad passenger. Yeah. I, I have to... I like to be the guy behind the wheel. I like to be the guy in control of the car. And uh, But every time we'd head into this into New York City, I, we'd switch places. I said, Tony, you take it. I can't take this place. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. It's like everybody who drives car, they're always like, af- not afraid. I don't know. I guess, I guess I would say afraid. Afraid of driving in New York. It's crazy. It, it's because I think a lot of it is because you have to, if you're not... Uh, offense, uh, offensive, not offensive as in like I'm going to offend somebody. Yeah. I mean, like drive offensively. You, ha- you can't be on the defense yeah. in New York. You can't be hesitant. You can't lay back because you'll get eaten alive. Yeah. So, so you, and, and you got to have that. And that's why that's why I give the wheel to Tony. He's got that New Jersey attitude. And I just said, brother, you just go. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so um, let me just take it back a little bit. Um, How did you... Um, pursue in becoming a WWE referee? Um, to, to make a long story really short, uh, obviously it's all in my book, but I'll, I'll try and condense it for you a little bit. Sure. It's uh, basically a lifelong fan who went to, to the Maple Leaf Gardens every two every three weeks when they used to run their Sunday night shows. Uh, and uh, uh, I ended up becoming friendly with uh, Jack, one of Jack Tenney's right-hand men, uh, Elio Zarlinga, and he was the photographer, and I used to take pictures, and I'd come back and sell them at the next show until he caught me and said, uh, you know what, that's kind of illegal, you can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he says, no, you can't. it's like copyright, trademark, all this stuff. He's giving me all this legal stuff. And I'm going, uh, okay, I guess this guy knows what he's talking about, but uh, who are you? He says, you know, I work for Tiny Sports. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then he was really cool about it. He says, well, you know what, just don't do it in just don't do it right outside the building. Go down a block or, t- or, or something, you know, like go, go stand in front of the hotel next door and do it, but not in front of the, the building. And we became friends and he said, you know, he introduced me to Jack Tunney, you know, saying, you know, maybe we can give the, the guy a job as a photographer. And Jack said, well, we don't need another photographer, but we'll find something for the kid to do. And, uh, you know, started off um, on the ring crew and, and, you know, chauffeuring guys around kind of, Kind of like stuff that Jr. did back in the day, and those guys, and same sort of thing. And then um, about a year later, Pat Patterson suggested to Jack that I try refereeing since I'm there. You know, set up the ring. I'm waiting around all all show, watching the show, and then tearing the ring down and heading out. He says, "Well, why don't we put him to work and train him to be a referee?" And then eventually they got the ball rolling, and that's how I got started, basically. Wow, what was what was like? What was it like just being there as a fan and just being a part of the co-crew? It's 
it, it's amazing because it, uh, I mean, back then it was a little bit different. We didn't have the access to the knowledge that everybody does today. So yeah. it, it, you think you have an idea until you actually get there and you go, oh, you know what? I really didn't know Jack, you know what? You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, this is a completely different world that I wasn't aware of, you know? And uh, of course, the business was a lot more protected back then. You know, they didn't want to, to give away uh, too much of the store. You know what I mean? Uh, nowadays, everybody's pretty much knows that it's, it, it is sports entertainment. Yeah. You know, and I know people hate that term, but, but let's be honest, that's exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. that's what, exactly what it's always been. It's just, uh, uh, you know, the purists like to call it professional wrestling, and the people who are trying to make money at it uh, on a grander scale are calling it sports entertainment. It's just, you know, apples and oranges, you know, uh, tomato, tomato, I guess, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was it was cool for, for, for me, especially as a fan, getting... At one, you know, at one time, I'm watching these guys and taking their pictures and, and looking at these guys as larger than life superstars, and then all of a sudden, I'm I'm like driving them around. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm taking them to venues. I'm taking them back to their hotels or to the airport. I'm in the I'm in the dressing room with these guys, which was surprising because uh, you know I hesitated going in there at first. Yeah. You know, you know, you you don't go in until you're kind of like invited in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once 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 you're kind of like introduced to that world, they start to accept you after you get a little bit of ribbing. But you know that's just not normal. Yeah. But it it, it was it was shocking, but it, so cool at the same time. Um, who were your favorite performers to work with? Uh, where do I start? I mean, like <laughs> I, over like over twenty years there. I, I got to work with everybody from uh, uh, Wow Hogan, Undertaker, uh, you know Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, you name it. I got to work with Ted DiBiase, Randy Savage. I mean Jake Roberts, but you know there there are a few guys that stand out. Like uh, really, really enjoyed working with Eddie Guerrero. I mean he was, you know, it's it's funny. You know, when people talk about the, the greatest superstars of all time, and of course, you know, you bring up names like Ric Flair and uh, HBK and others, uh, you know, that are brought into the conversation. But uh, in my mind, two guys that you would have to put in that conversation that, that don't get put in there a lot, it, one is Eddie Guerrero. And the other one, in my opinion, has to be The Undertaker for his body of work over so long, you know. And and uh, I really enjoyed working with with. A lot of the guys, uh, but those those guys really stood out. I can't I can't forget Edge too. Edge was just Edge was a guy who just got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He also did the forward to your book too, right? Yeah, it's a Canadian thing. It was, was kind of <laughs> cool, you know, because uh, we were talking uh, with the, the the publishers at the ECW. Said, "Who can we get the? Um, is there anybody?" Of course, you know how it is. They want someone with name value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who can we get? I said we can. Well, how about if we go Canadian? I can go with Edge. He's part of the the, the Canadian Mafia, as we called ourselves back in the day. But yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, he was really cool about it, you know. And him and I always had this kind of like uh, weird connection, you know what I mean? And it, I guess as as Canadian kids from the Toronto area, you know. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I, he, I'm like. 10 years older than him or something like that. But anyways, that's right. <laughs> um, who are some of the reps that you look to for guidance and inspiration to improve your craft? Um, man, again, an, uh, another long list, but uh, mainly uh, at first up here, uh, there was a, 
two local referees that, that worked for Jack Tunney were um, John Bonello and uh, Terry Yorkston. And of course, Jack Tunney's uh, um, right-hand uh, confidant, uh, Billy Red Lyons, who is uh, uh, another you know big star from this area, and also and you know traveled throughout the states as well, uh, gave me a lot of guidance at first when I really was greener than goose. You know what? You know what I mean. But uh, once I started getting uh, more refereeing gigs, so to speak, with you know, as starting to work more, you know, of course. Uh, Timmy White was a, was a big influence. The late Joey Morello was helping me out, um, just helping me stay calm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, Joey was young at the time as well, but you know had great poise for his age. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the, the Hebners. Uh, I got to give big shout out to both Hebners, Dave and Earl, who who literally, literally took me under their wing and 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 you know let me travel with them and just pick their brains and learn, you know what I mean? It was it was really cool. Um, and then, uh, then after a while, you know, the, the other guys come along and, you, and it really is a, like a brotherhood in stripes, you know, it's really cool. Yeah. Was you a fan of like the old, like world-class championship wrestling with Bronco Lubage and, um, uh, what is it, Tom, Tommy Young from WCW? Yeah, you know what, to be honest with you, Tommy Young was one of the reasons why I started paying attention to referees. Really? Uh, I used to enjoy what, yeah, because, you know, I'd watch him referee matches with Ric Flair and uh, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. You know, the early ones, like I'm talking, uh, you know, early, uh, early 1980, 81 era, era, where, you know, they were fighting over the United States Championship, because we used to get Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling up here in, in Toronto. Oh, okay. And that was where most, that's where most of the talent at that time would, would appear at Maple Leaf Gardens from. Uh, so you know, I really that I really gravitated to the Mid Atlantic uh, stuff. I thought that was cool. But when I started tape trading and stuff like that, I'd see guys like you talk about world class championship wrestling. I, I thought David Manning was yes, was a very right. good referee. Yeah, you know, very underrated. Again, when you talk about great referees from the past, and then it's almost like every area had their own really good referees. And like uh, you had Jerry Calhoun down in Memphis. Yeah, um, um, you know, I just thought of um, James Beard too, right? Yeah, James Beard as well, yeah. and uh, very knowledgeable, you yeah. know, like very smart about the business as well. You know, the, um, a lot of times referees get uh, overlooked for their, uh, what they can contribute from a, not just a in-ring aspect, but also what they can contribute to a match, you know, with suggestions and ideas and, and helping out that way too. Which wrestlers' matches were the most fun to officiate? I'm sorry, what was that? Um, which wrestlers' matches were the most fun to officiate? Uh... You know what? Again, uh, uh, I go back to Eddie Guerrero and, and yeah. the Undertaker for two different reasons. Eddie's uh, uh, because that, that that whole light sheet and steel persona that he had going on. Yeah, um, it was just it was just getting it was so much fun getting to interact with him in that way. And then by the same token, you look at the Undertaker, who is really the only superstar you kind of cower from and, and back away from. Because of that aura, that presence, uh, the Undertaker, and again, you get to to react differently to those two characters in the ring. Whereas everybody else, you kind of you kind of play it straight, so to speak, for lack of a better term. But those guys, you get to uh, creatively work with them. And um, other guys that were very underrated that I, that I enjoyed working with um, were two heels when Finley was a heel yeah. and William Regal. Because in my mind, those were two guys that understood how to utilize a referee as a heel to get heat on themselves 
as opposed to getting having the heat placed on the referee, where, which is where you don't want it placed. A heel wants the heat on himself. Mm-hmm. And they understood that. And they, they, they were very good at utilizing the referee in that capacity. What's your best road story or rib that someone's played on you or someone else? It could be rated NC-17 or rated R. Nah. Oh, man. Um, uh, I, you know, I was, I was fortunate where I didn't get a whole lot of ribs played on me, and, but, uh, but I was witness to a lot of them. But I did get ribbed one time by, um, by Owen Hart, who um, uh, I got to the hotel room and, you know, I pretty much it's about 2.30 in the morning and the phone rings and the guy on the other end says he's a f- guy from the front desk and uh, that I had to come down and, and straighten out something. There was something wrong with my credit card. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? I said, he said, no, well, you, you know, you have to come down and straighten this out. And I said, can't we do it in the morning? Like, you know, it's like 2.30. He says, no, 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 it's got to be done tonight or we're going to have to ask you to leave the hotel. And I'm like, oh, man. So, you know, like put on a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. And I'm heading downstairs. Go down to the front desk. And I go, yeah, um, I'm here to straighten out the issue with my credit card. He says, and you are? And I said, he said, uh, who told you there was an issue? I said, you guys called. He said, we did? And I said, yeah. Somebody just called my room and said, and, you know, I had to come down straighten this out. And he's like, nobody called. I said, stop playing around, man. You know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. you know, next thing you know, I see Owen sitting there on, a, on, a, on one, of the, uh, one of the chairs in the lobby laughing his butt off. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, he got me. <laughs> but I, I, have to admit, I have to admit, I did get him back. I did get him back. Um, um, it was actually here in Toronto the old Howard Johnson's by the airport, they had a 24-hour hotel, and, you know, after the shows, the guys would go down there and eat, but Owen didn't feel like sitting in the hotel. He was tired, so he ordered room service. Mm. So, um, well, you know, we'd been there so often that I knew the manager at the uh, at the Howard Johnson's restaurant there, he said, and he was about to call Owen's, send the food up to Owen's room, and uh, I said, well, yeah, hold on a sec, before you send it up there, let me use the phone. So I used the phone, and uh, I tried to do a little bit of an accent there, and to, you know, tell him that uh, the guy who delivers the food to the room had just walked out and quit, and I got nobody to send the food up to the room and stuff like that. God, I wanted to come down to the restaurant and stuff like that. But anyways, so I got him back a little bit, but it was, it's, it, I love the harmless stuff. It was harmless. Yeah. Um, speaking of Owen Hart, I know you was there with the tragedy. Um, I know you spoke about it before. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But um, how was that atmosphere like for everybody there? It it, it, it was tragic. It was it was, and and a lot of confusion because you know um, that was such a, a, a I hate to use the term unique because unique usually. You know, refers to something uh, good that happens, but it was unique in a horrible way. You know yeah. what I mean? It was something that you would never expect to happen in any business, let alone the wrestling industry. And it just it hit everybody like a ton of bricks. And at the at the same time, it was a situation where because nobody's really dealt with a situation like that, nobody really I think knew what to do next. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was. It was hard on everybody, especially because, you know, I don't know, it was just, it was just a bad situation all around, and, you know, people, looking back at it, you can, we can always make, you know, judgment calls of what, what should and shouldn't have happened afterwards, but at the same time, again, it was like, nobody knew what to do 
next because it was it, it was something that that nobody ever foresaw happening. You know. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you from Karina Kyle, who's an independent referee. Um, she'd like to know what advice um, you would give for new referees, and also what is the best way to get out of state or, or country bookings? Oh, um, best advice I can give to, to referees who are, who are still, well, always learning a craft. I, I shouldn't say still, because we're always learning, regardless of how many years you, you've been doing this. It, it, you know, because the business changes, it evolves. Um, just pay attention. Just you know, watch some of the um, uh, you know. I guess the best advice I can say is um, don't be a distraction. The hardest part of, for a referee is um, you know, you're, as much as you're part of the match, you're not the focal point of the match. The referees are there. They're kind of like a, a supporting actor. Yeah. Um, you let them tell, tell their story, but at the same time, you're helping them tell their story without being uh, overtly um, in the way, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so but but at the same time, try to do it in a way where um, it looks almost treat it like a shoot. Right. If you do that and, and it looks believable, then people might also you know buy into it as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and you know, just watch other great referees from the past I mean like watch 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 the Timmy Whites watch the Hebners watch uh, um, uh, Charles Robinson see what I did was when I was learning the craft the whole time uh, I would watch others and I'd still little bit, bits and pieces from everybody yeah. you know what I mean I wouldn't go full out Tommy Young but I'd I'd take a little element from Tommy Young and sprinkle in a little uh, Timmy White and there's a little bit of uh, Earl Hebner or Dave Hebner you know what I mean yeah, yeah but at the, but yeah that's pretty much it, you know. And as far as getting bookies, bookings out of state and um, um, out of out of country, that's that's tough. You you need to try and uh, 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 contact as many people as you can. And if you're working locally, uh, talk to the guys uh, that are working locally that are getting those bookings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously there's there's probably guys in the area that are getting bookings out of out of state and and maybe even further. Talk to those guys and ask them because, um, especially as a referee, you're not you're not vying for one of their spots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where some guys might be hesitant to give you that advice because they don't want you to take their spot. Mm. You're not taking their spot because you're looking for a referee spot, not a, not an actual wrestling spot. So they might be able to help you out getting connected better. Um, what I can say, though, is if you're, you're looking forward to somewhere down the line getting to the performance center, the best thing to do is, is you know, obviously, um, you know, you do a little resume thing with uh, a list of what you know, of your uh, of your work and where you've worked, but also put together a little video package, not a lot, not a big long one, but put a, a, of some of your best stuff as a referee. And and I'll be honest with you, they don't care if you can if you can bump like crazy. Uh, to them, that doesn't matter. It's it's kind of like uh, you know, show them your good referee work, and, okay. uh, and especially now. And I, and I'm assuming this is a young lady you're th- we're talking about. Yes, Karina Kyle. Yes. Yeah, yeah and which is which is good because right now you know they just hired a, a, a female referee down in uh, in the performance center, and I think they're looking to to maybe you know incorporate female referees now into into the WWE. Maybe that's a, that's where they're starting to go. So. You know, this may be a good time to maybe send something down to them. 
Mm, interesting, interesting. I hope Karina hears that and she'll do that. Um, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on Triple H and Vince Russo? Uh, Triple H, um, I, I, you know, I, I think he gets a bad rap from some people. I think Triple H is, it, 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 his, he's got a, you know, I hate using that cliche. He's got a great mind for the business, but he does, yeah. you know, and it, and it's evident in NXT. I think what Triple H is is excellent at is recognizing. Uh, good talent with potential. He's also good at recognizing talent from from uh, from the indie scene that he's bringing into NXT. Mm-hmm. So he's got guys that have some experience and not just guys who are starting from scratch. But um, from from a presentation standpoint, what I like about Triple H is I think he gets the idea that uh, the melding of old school with new school, if you know what I mean, because uh, you know this new school. Uh, for lack of a better term, indie style is not what the WWE wants to do. Uh, but they understand that there is a a market for it. May not be a huge market for it, but, uh, you know, a, a broader market for it. But there is a niche audience that likes that that presentation. At the same time, you can't lose your old school fundamentals. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, so that's why I like when I watch NXT. That's what I enjoy about it the most. Is it's it's almost like the best of both worlds. It's melding old school with new school, uh, and and bringing it. It's almost a hybrid form yeah. of both, which is working and resonating with the audience. Um, you know, like you, you take and don't get me wrong. I enjoy. Many promoters. I, I love watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. I like watching ROH. Uh, I, I even enjoy watching Impact Wrestling. Believe it or not, it's just I'm a wrestling fan. I love yeah. wrestling. You know, in, in all forms and all presentations. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of the lucha style. Yeah. But I can appreciate what they do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's kind. It's kind of like food. I like all kinds of food. I have a favorite food, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to eat that favorite food every day. I'm going to try other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, wrestling is the same way, and uh, I think I think uh, more and more uh, Triple H gets that, and and, and I, th- I think it shows in his uh, presentation of NXT. As for Vince Russo, um, you know it's it's funny because uh, I think I'll be honest, I, I I like Vince personally. Yeah, always got along with him, never had a problem with him. Um, I think his only problem was, and I think. The person who, who who encapsulated it best was Chris Jericho when he said, and I believe it was during, uh, here's a network plug for the WWE Network, and great stuff, you know, that, that Monday Night War <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff they did. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said on that, Vince Russo had uh, uh, maybe a thousand ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Ten of them were genius. Ten of them were genius, but he didn't know the difference between the ten that were genius and the ones that weren't. Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's the problem. He, it's not that he never had good ideas; he had good ideas, but uh, you know, like unfortunately, uh, the bad ones outweighed the good. Mm. You know, and and uh, you know, and again, that's not a knock against him. It's just it, it's it's tough to write, especially to be a writer for this business where you have to be on fifty two weeks a year, yeah. and especially now when they have multiple shows and you've got three hours on Monday, two on Tuesday. Then you've got uh, what a main event, and uh, you know what I mean. There's a lot of content that they have to write for. That's not easy. Yeah, you think it was better 
um, back in the days where the writing was limited to a certain amount of people until now where it's like a big committee of writers? Um, again, I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I mean, um, at the end of the day, everything filters through Vince McMahon. He's the final say at what goes on TV anyway. Yeah. Um, I think that what I don't like about today's product is the lack of flexibility that it, it, that it appears that a lot of the guys have when it comes to doing like promos, in-ring promos and stuff like that. Uh, maybe a little too scripted. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no room for guys to go out there and 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 you know experiment with what they have to say. Do you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if they go out there and you know they cut a promo and it bombs, you learn from it. Yeah. You know, like, okay, that didn't work. Uh, what do I have to work on? Whereas now here it goes. So now you don't know if. If it was the material that was bad, was it the presentation of the material that was bad? You know what I mean? So now yeah. it's like you, they don't have an opportunity to go out there and grow and learn that way. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, what, what has been your biggest regret in life? Uh, biggest regret? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't regret a whole lot, man. Like I said, I, I've had a blessed life. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It... You know, it, it, it's not even really a regret. It's a disappointment more okay. than any than a regret is, uh, okay. you know, um, watching WrestleMania this year and and appear, looking, um, it appears that uh, The Undertaker has called it a career. Yeah. I mean, we don't know that for a fact, but by all indications, that that's the symbolism of leaving the the gloves, the hat, and the, and the coat in the ring symbolizes the end of his career. Um my, my my thing was if if I could ref one more match ever, it would be the Undertaker's last match, whatever that is. Wow, and that would be my my you know my my crowning glory, so to speak. Uh, but other than that, really, uh, you know, I don't have any real regrets other than uh, um, you know, other than that, really. I wish I wish I could have been there for that because. Uh, you know, I'm an Undertaker guy. What can I say? <laughs> also, you are are one of the many, I guess you could say, former wrestling personalities or current wrestling personalities who's written a book, and your book is called The Three Count. Tell the people out there about your book, The Three Count. Uh, well, it's basically a story of how how a a wrestling fan as a kid got started in the business, and and just my years through the WWE, and it's not. It's not one of those tell-all exposés that you know that seem to be popular nowadays. I, I you know, that's just not me. I, I mean, <laughs> I look at it this way: I, 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 I don't, you know, make any aspirations that every day was biscuits and gravy, you know, and and a, a bunch of fluffy ducks, as Roddy Piper used to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there were good days and bad days, but the good days far outweighed the bad days in, in all my years in the WWE. And and I have what I have today because of the, because of that industry and that company. And for me to to go out of my way to to manufacture heat against the company just to try and sell books, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It to me that didn't make sense. So I figured I'm just going to keep it light. I'm going to keep it basically tell my story and, and tell some tell s some stories along the way as well and 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 not make it a book of uh, of grievances against uh, 
I don't know, some perceived wrong that I think may have been done to me. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's just me telling my story. That's all it is. And, and I think some of it is fun. Uh, some of it is serious because I, you know, I delve into, uh, you know, the Eddie Guerrero death and, uh, of course, the, the Benoit situation, which is a dirty word nowadays. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, my feelings about that and that sort of stuff. And, of course, the Owen situation, which um, which I, I never really publicly talked about until after I wrote the book. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole bunch of... It's not just tragedy, but it's also a, a lot of fun, I think, too, as well. Is it, if someone's reading it, is it almost like a Rocky saga where you come from your humble beginnings and you rise to the top? Is it sort of like that? If you could, if you could compare it to a film? Um, I wish it was that dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a hell of a selling point for the book. But, uh, um, it, it's just, it's just, you know what? It's, it's, it's really the story of a kid who had a dream. Yeah. Uh, and, and Basically, his dream came true. You know, I got to live uh, a, a dream life uh, for over 20 years, and it was amazing. Also, um, you're currently now the co-host of Aftermath TV, which is on the Fight Network and Sportsnet, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's actually two different shows. Uh, Aftermath uh, TV is on uh, Sportsnet 360 up here in Canada, which okay. is... Uh, yeah, it's 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 the home to all the WWE uh, programming in Canada, which uh, airs you know Raw and SmackDown, and uh, I think you know main event and that experience and all those shows. So they're they're the the home for WWE in Canada. But I also do some some uh, previews and reviews with John Pollock down at the Fight Network yeah. um, as well. Which those online too. We have a lot of fun with those. Uh, Basically, what the, what the aftermath program is is I like to refer to it as a, a wrestling's version of the Talking Dead. Oh, uh, that's a nice. That's yeah, a nice. We just, yeah. uh, basically we don't we don't get to we don't deal with rumors and stuff like that. It's basically this is this is what happened on Raw. This is what I liked. This is what I didn't like. This is what I would have liked to have seen. You know what I mean? This yeah. was cool. This was like this didn't sit well with me. You know, it's it's a we critique stuff, but we also like you know. We call out stuff uh, that we liked as well. It's it, it's cool. Um, uh, it's myself. Uh, Jackie Redman is the host. Um, uh, we have Nug Nargang, who is uh, uh, a an improv comic here in Can- in Canada and has been seen outside of Canada too. He's a very very uh, he's a very funny guy. And we also have the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, as. Uh, as the fourth member of our panel so it's 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 a fun little show we enjoy it very much yeah anthony's a good friend of the podcast he's been on a few times really cool guy and um the um speaking of funny yeah yeah speaking of funny guys he is like oh my god he's hilarious yeah, he's 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 one of the few WWE wrestlers films that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> you know, like you know, there's a lot of WWE films, as, <laughs> and some of them are not so great, and some are some are okay to watch. You know, like his his role was is, is, is really funny. So I think it was what is it the sequel to Jingle All the Way? It was I think that was the movie. Was it Jingle All the Way Two? They was yeah. That was that was all right. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a sitcom on the on the WWE Network. I mean, they, that would be right up his alley. Yeah, yeah, real cool. All right, and speaking of WWE films, which is your favorite WWE film? If you've seen a WWE film, <laughs> oh, uh, 
have. Um, yeah, oh, you have? Okay. Man, uh, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Um, I kind of like Kane's film. Oh, the See No Evil ones? Yeah, See those no are good. Evil. Yeah. Because, because uh, you know, knowing, knowing Glenn the way I do, it's it just uh, uh, one of the smartest men I've ever met. Yeah. Really, really intelligent guy, but then you, you see him as the Jacob Goodnight character and you go, man, he, he's so believable in that role. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh. But, it, you know, it's it's tough. Um, um, you know, like you said, uh, some of them are hits, some of them are misses, but uh, I, I enjoyed that because I, that's a genre I like too. I like I like horror movies that are not that are more horror than slasher. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But that had a little bit of both. Yeah. Kind of mixed both very well. Uh, ha- um, if have you seen the Marine? If so, which is your favorite Marine? Uh, well, t- to be honest with you, I've only seen the first one. After that, I figured you know it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like Rocky fourteen. Uh, I don't know, I'm see that. Oh, you know what film I, I I left out? Which film? I think maybe it was because of the atmosphere. Was uh, 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 Steve Austin's film, The Condemned? Oh yeah, that was yeah. Where they got dropped on that island? Yeah, well, I thought that was pretty cool because we got to see it on WrestleMania weekend uh, in Detroit at the. Oh man, I can't remember the name of the theater now. But but it was like the the the, the world premiere of Steve's movie, and we got to see it in the theater, and it was with all the uh, the WWE superstars, and the, the you know the fans were there as well. It was actually kind of cool. Okay. We kind of enjoyed it. It was kind of cool. Sweet. And speaking of wrestlers and podcasts, it seems like just about every wrestler, every known wrestler, and every you know wrestler who are not known has, has a podcast. Um, is there a particular wrestler's podcast that you, that you listen to, or if you listen to any podcast? I, I listen to them sporadically. I have to like you know it's it's kind of tough because uh, uh, you know having to watch the product for work, so to speak. You know, yeah. So, that takes up a lot of time, and of course, being married takes up a lot of time. So you have to be like, <laughs> yeah, you got to play husband do it at some point. But yeah. uh, when I do, like, uh, you know, I I, enjoy, I try to listen to a little bit of everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I I really enjoy Jr. I think yeah. Jr. is like brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Jericho is fun. Edge and Christian is fun to listen to. Uh, of course, Steve is Steve has a laugh too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Austin. Um, it, it's just that there's so many of them out there now. You, it, it's like it's almost like WWE programming. You have to pick and choose now because I can't. I can't it, unless because I'm being paid to watch it. Of course, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, if I'm not, I got to pick and choose what I what I can sit down and watch. Yeah. Also, um, Jimmy, what is the key to a happy marriage? Um, communication is the biggest thing, and understanding, and and, and and it has to be a little bit of a, it's got to be give and take, it can't be all one-sided, so, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that marriage is a, is a partnership, and, and you got to work together, and, and you do things for each other, you have, you have to, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's not a one-sided deal. So, and uh, having having a, having a significant other who's who's understanding of uh, um, of let's say your goals. Because I was fortunate, my wife, uh, I was already uh, in the entrenched in the wrestling business when when we got married. 
so she knew what to expect going in and and she was very supportive from the start and uh, and uh, that's what you know really also helped me get through you know being away from home a lot too yeah. the fact that she was so understanding and uh, my final question for you Jimmy is what would the Jimmy Corderas of today tell the Jimmy Corderas of yesterday uh, don't don't wait so long don't wait so many years before you feel comfortable about speaking up about certain things uh, you know like a, um, for example I'll tell you like like if I had an ideas like I wanted to pitch or something like that I, I would never do so because I didn't know if that was uh, appropriate for me to do so and then uh, you know years later you know I started feeling a little bit more comfortable with presenting ideas or presenting uh, ideas to, to certain wrestlers for mat in the match and you know like a spot or something like that and and just remember that uh, don't be afraid to, to speak up and 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 if you thought something was inappropriate to, to speak up and say so as well um, and also do it professionally you know what I mean? Which I always did. It just it took me forever to do it. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. And that and 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 remember that you know, um, just be a good person, which I always tried to do, anyways. It just uh, just stay humble, stay and stay grounded. You know. Yeah. Appreciate it, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Unplug um, your social media. Plug um, anything you have coming up. Oh, okay. Um, well, of course, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which I enjoy co uh, combating people. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm a Twitter heel, what can I say? And you can follow me at Jimmy Corderas. Um, uh, I have a Facebook fan page where I post most of my, my wrestling-related stuff. It's uh, former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. Uh, yeah, of course, if you're up here in Canada, unfortunately, it's not available in the States, but in Canada, you can watch uh, Aftermath TV on Sports at 360, Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. right before SmackDown Live. And uh, before pay-per-views, uh, John Pollock and I preview them and review them afterwards on the Fight Network, which you can catch on the Fight Network's YouTube channel if you don't have the Fight Network uh, anywhere in the world. Could somebody catch Aftermath TV on YouTube, though? Uh, no, unfortunately, it is geoblocked. Oh, okay. But... Um, what we're what we're working on is is providing other content other than the show that we might start putting on the web, and uh, when that happens, I will uh, definitely put that out there on the so on my social media and let people know that uh, we've got some other stuff coming up. So we're trying to expand the brand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but it's a it, it, you know we're just working out some logistics. That's all. Gotcha. And of course, don't forget if you haven't read the three count. My Life in Stripes is a WWE referee. It's still available out there. Amazon, easiest way to get it. Yep, and it's and it's definitely not a boring read, right, Jimmy? Oh, well, I'm biased, but of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only you know, Jimmy Corderas. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will say this. I appreciate. Uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. I. I, I, I I, I love babbling, and you let me babble, so uh, <laughs> thank you so much. It was very entertaining, Jimmy, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.